0: Oh, there are so many dynamic words that were uh, presented in that, that song that we should know when He's near, right or wrong. We should know that. Now, the Bible says, He says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, God is always near. God always sees. God always hears. Our God is near. His hands, we should be able to sense His hands in our lives. Do we have God's hands on our life? And I know that sometimes things don't go all the way that we want them to go. But God can teach us and grow us and develop us through those times and difficulties of our lives. Storms do come in our lives, don't they? This morning in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 27, we're going to continue looking on this portion of Scripture As I read it this morning, if you'll follow along, as it comes to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, we've been into it for about a year, Uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, then we have Easter, and then the following Sunday we'll finish the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest message ever preached. (laughs) Fifteen minute long, and yet so much in that message. He says in verse 24, he says... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them is likened unto a man that builds his house upon a rock. The rains come, the floods, the winds, and they beat upon this house and it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and he doesn't do them. uh, He's like that foolish man that built his house upon the sand. The rains came, the floods came the winds game. We talked about all these things that were similar last week. Beats upon this house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. Father, I pray that you help us now as we focus on your word that truly that we will be able to sense and how you're speaking to our hearts. I, I pray that you'll speak to every heart that's here. Well, I'm just a messenger this morning, and powers in your word and in your spirit and how you take the word in our hearts. And I pray that, Lord, that you'll just do a mighty, mighty work. And I'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three parts that we want to bring out on this portion of scriptures. Last week, we talked about the foundation. This morning, we're going to talk about the building. And then next time, we're going to talk about the storm. So today we have the building, and by the way, the building, we're going to take two weeks on the building, all right, because we want to build with the right materials. Uh, How horrible it is. You go buy a house with great expectations. The McCoys just bought a house. Now, this isn't from God, all right, what I'm about to say. I'm no prophet, so don't stone me, all right? But everybody buys a house. My son bought a house with great expectations. After you get in the house, can you imagine the building inspector comes by and it says, this house is condemned. That would be bad news, wouldn't it? Surely would be. Can you imagine living all of your life, building a life which you think is going to create great success and maybe even end up in heaven? And what we read previously, the Lord says, I never knew you. Tragic words. The foundation is very, very important. We read about a man who builds. It's a parable of the rich man's land. He was very productive. He thought to himself, hmm, what should I do since I, I've got all this stuff? <laughs> I might got a lot of stuff. I don't know where to put it. I'll do this. He says, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And store all of my grains and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, don't you love talking to yourself? How many talk to yourself? (laughs) Have you ever realized that sometimes you're not talking to yourself? Sometimes there's the voice of a stranger that tells you things that are not right. Leading you in the wrong direction. Sometimes in our mind, and we've spent probably a year and a half on our minds here. Uh, in our minds or out of our minds, I'm not sure, but the battle taking place in our mind of the dark side of the mind and the light that should be in our minds and that which we put into our minds, how they conflict each other. Sometimes it's the flesh side of the mind that starts talking to you and the light side of the mind, that light that has been put in there by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit says, don't listen to this, and we have to decide what we're going to be listening to. So he talks to himself and he says, "There's many goods. Uh, I'm going to take my ease, eat, drink, and enjoy myself." That sounds like a philosophy, doesn't it? That's the philosophy of this world. To all of us, we need to be careful that even though we might be born again Christians, that we don't take on this philosophy. You hear what I'm saying? We are not put in this short time on this earth just to satisfy ourselves. We are here to bring glory to God and other people's goods. And it's so easy to get caught up. I know for me it's very easy for me to get caught up in myself. Eat, drink, and let's enjoy. I was thinking as I was sitting over here after I was getting ready to preach, I try to button my jacket. I says, you know what? I think I've been eating too much here lately. We've had too much pizza around here, Pastor Nathan. And uh, I, I'm a tightwad, and that's usually what helps me to lose weight is because if it gets this tight, I better start losing or else I'll have to buy a new jacket, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Well, you hear that, don't you? You ever hear that, Gary? Man, you're working 60 hours, 70 hours a week trying to get done with taxes. Can't wait till those taxes are over so I can get back into that building project. And <laughs> or go on vacation or whatever it might be. And There's nothing wrong with vacations. Amen to that. By the way, the Lord took a 40 days vacation. He went up on the mountain to get away from everybody and he prayed and fasted for 40 days. Vacation should be a time when we are refreshed. Um, They call it recreation. The word there actually means to recreate. The idea is to revitalize ourselves, to find that perspective. Sometimes we need some good spiritual vacations to get a good perspective. If you grow stale in your life, you'll find yourself having some great difficulties. Or You listen to this, and I listen to this, and it's easy to listen to this. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself a philosophy that is permeating our society in America. You find that this philosophy is not going to be a solid foundation. He says in verse 20, God says, excuse me, God says in verse 20, you what? You fool. The Lord is trying to bring out here the aspect that we can play a fool all of our lives. And truly, there are many people who are not saved that are playing that fool. By the way, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't written to help you to get saved. The Sermon on the Mount was primarily written to those who would believe in Christ and how to live their lives. And as we get into this portion about this foundation, there are three aspects of of, uh, people that I believe that he could be addressing. It could be a pseudo-Christian. Someone who's going to church but not saved. It could be a, uh, a Christian who is a shallow Christian. Or it could be a Christian who has dug deep in his life and built his life upon that rock. You see, it's one thing to have that rock. It's another thing to build your life on that foundation. Does that make sense? So ponder that. I mean, it could be any one of these things. We're not totally certain of that, but truly it fits all of us there. God says, "You fool, this very night, your life is demanded of you. Can you imagine? Alicia Schick used to say, we all have a pull tag. When our life is, is done, we Vern and I talked about this this past Thursday. Vern has terminal cancer. We're praying for Vern. By the way, every one of us has something terminal. We are going to die someday. Do you know where you're going when you die? Don't have a hope so, have a no so. Here, this person, he says, this very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself. And is not rich towards God. I personally believe there's various aspects of what's being brought out here in this passage of scriptures. But we don't want to play the fool. And I would hope that as we look at these verses that God's word would speak to us. Do we have a solid foundation? When I was a teenager, I would help our youth group uh, have different activities. And growing up in Michigan, one of the things that we would do, we'd play hockey. You know, play street hockey. Uh, streets sometimes were filled with ice, and sometimes we'd go out to storm sewers and and uh, uh, go out there. And they had some nice ponds, kind of like the ponds that we have around here. But though it uh, was cold there, they would freeze over. And I remember one time I was trying to find a place for our youth group to to go out and play hockey and. So my brother and I went out and we went out to this particular uh, storm sewer behind our house and as I walked out there on the ice, I walked out on the ice and you kind of heard a little crack here and there, you know what I mean? Now a wise person would have said that's stupid to go any further. But growing up not as intelligent as some, I decided to jump up and down on the ice. How many think that's smart? But lo and behold, the ice did not hold me, and I found myself in ice-cold water. You know how hard it is to get out of when you fall through ice? Thank the Lord. By the way, how many think I got out? (laughs) My brother, bless his heart, just laughed. My life was in danger, and he was just standing on the shore laughing at me. I had to run back about a half a mile to the car by the time I got to the car, my clothes were frozen, so i 'm running back <laughs> up to the car it didn 't hold. You talk about a surprise you don 't want to have that surprise when it comes to eternity. Do you know you 're going to heaven so here 's this foundation, and we 've spent a lot of time on it, and it's very good to have a foundation. I think of this building project, and Brother uh, Doug, you remember when we were underneath the building, and uh, Pastor Nathan remembers, and Gary remembers. We spent a lot of time underneath this building to make sure the foundation was solid. And I remember the architect, and bless his heart, Mike Beeler. He built a fortress here, didn't he? I mean, he put in a pipe that goes all the way down, four feet below us, into a pad that's like 20 by... I don't know how big it is and how deep it is, but I remember us going under there to dig this hole and just being... To hope that it would be worth it all. But we put that in so that this building would have a good foundation. We put $20,000 of rock under here... To protect the foundation in this building, some of it you can't see, but it's there when you need it. Praise God for that. And so we see this building being built now. And so as this building's being built, really, what's going to discover the foundation is going to be the storms, and we'll deal with that in a couple weeks. But we're going to build upon this building. And both of these people here, whether they're pseudo Christian or fellow Christians or solid Christians, they hear and they listen to a message. The message that the Lord is referring to here is the Sermon on the Mount. But as we listen to messages, I want to ask ourselves this question. Do we hear? Do we listen? You know, it's hard to do something about if we've not paid attention. So when we come to church... We make sure that we go to bed early at night, not grieving the ducks lost in the four-on-four or whatever it was that they played yesterday. We get to bed early, get up early, get ready to go to church, get ready to listen. People have a hard time listening today. There's a couple reasons for that. Some of it could be because we've listened and not followed and therefore, the Lord stops talking. How many want to be in that place? You don't want the Lord to stop talking. I've been reading the life of Saul, and Saul was the first king of Israel. And when he started out, he was he was uh, from a from a fairly well-to-do family, and and uh, he was lost the donkeys. You remember this whole story, and as he he went to find them, he was. Uh, anointed to be king, and as he starts to be king, he's very humble and shy, and yet he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And but yet God used him, and God built his his uh, his uh, uh, his reign. And but then he stopped listening. I tell people, what gets you to the place you are of successes in life of what God has done in your life? Don't drop it out. Keep listening. He stopped listening. And finally, his kingdom was taken from him. Here in 1 Samuel 28:6. 6, uh, Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by irms, or, or nor by prophets. And there was various ways that God would speak to, to people in the Old Testament. We understand that. And there's various ways that God speaks to us today. In the New Testament, primarily he speaks to us Through the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And through the word of God as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our back. We are very privileged to be able to hear what God wants because we read it right here in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit takes it and uses it in our lives. What a privilege it is to listen and to hear. What did Saul do because he didn't hear from God? anybody know this story? Some of you know this story. What did, what did Saul do because he didn't listen, hear a word from God? He went to the witch of Endor, or a medium, or a soothsayer, or a fortune teller. Maybe even got a fortune cookie. Then said, Saul and his servants seek a horoscope. Am I hitting anything that you ought not to be dabbling in? Ouija board. All these things that, man, are taboo. Is, now, the fortune cookie, I understand, all right? I eat the fortune cookie, but I don't follow what the fortune cookie says. I don't even play the lottery with my fortune cookie, all right? Then said Saul unto his servant, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. You know, Pastor Nate, when I read that this morning, I started asking myself, what is the familiar spirit? And I start asking myself, could a familiar spirit be a demon? Absolutely. Can a demon guide those that are dabbling in the occult, in directions? You understand it's a very, we don't want to have anything to do that. It could be the familiar spirit of your flesh. It could be the familiar spirit... Of whatever you see what I'm saying, but listen to me, as I was thinking about this. What is my familiar spirit? It ought to be the Holy Spirit, hearing Him, following Him, listening to Him, paying attention. He was given to us to to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. First, or John chapter fourteen, verse sixteen, I believe it is, or sixteen fourteen, someplace around there. I, I'm not quite familiar with the passage, but this familiar spirit uh, that I may go over her and acquire her and this, and his servants said to him, behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So sometimes we aren't paying attention. Sometimes you say, man, I've, I've heard that before. Can't tell you how many times I've read through the scriptures. I've read it time and time again. And all of a sudden God just breaks my heart. I've heard that before. Or maybe we don't like to be told what to do. Is that possible? Sometimes we don't want to go to a church that's preaching the truth because they talk about getting things right with God. It talks about this man that built his barns and tore them down and wanted his eating and joy of life rather than service and commitment to the Lord and songs like this ensemble just sang of faithfulness. When they sang that this morning, I there was one phrase in there that says, why would we not be faithful? And so, sometimes we don't want to be told what to do. Sometimes teenagers, how many teenagers are in here? Okay, don't act like your parents, all right? And they don't like to be told what to do. Sometimes they never get over it. We need to say, what does God want? And listen. By the way, can the Lord talk to teenagers? Absolutely. Can a, the Lord talk to a child? Is there an example of that in the Scriptures? How about Samuel? Remember? The story there against uh, with Eli the priest. The priest didn't get it, but Samuel did get the message. How about Joseph? Hearing what God had for his future and then at the age of 17, being sold into slavery and all that went on in his life. What an example. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and others that were, but you, David, I don't know how old he was when he uh, was uh, called to be king. He was the youngest of the family. To listen, pay attention, want to be told. You know, the Bible says that we are to listen to the hoary heads. Now, some of you teenagers might think, hoary head. Boy, that is a horrible head. Hoary head. What does it mean to have a hoary head? Someone stand up that has a hoary head. All right there. All right, there's one. Brother, you've got a hoary head, brother. In fact, all, all of you in that row, this part of the row, all have hoary heads, all right? Then it, then, oh, you have a hoary head, too. No, you've got a lot of hair. Can, can I have some of your hair, please? Look at that. Goodness. Yeah, you can't tell whether I have a hoary head or not because it's all gone. <laughs> I want to pay attention. Oh, maybe I want to pick and choose what I like. Uh, think of this verse in John three sixteen. We all know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, we know that verse. But the last verse of this chapter, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son, what? Hath everlasting life. Is that a true statement? Yes, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. What he did on that cross. He died for my sins. I recognize what he has done for me personally. He was buried and he rose again so that I could have life with him. Praise God for that. But it continues. And just as the first part is true, so is the second part. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We can't pick and choose, my friends. God's word is true through and through. Amen to that? All right, so we don't want to pick and choose. Maybe we hear, we come to church, and we forget. We forget. How many forget more than they remember nowadays, you know? That seems to be... I have to, I have to go... I think why older folks go slower is because they're trying to remember what they were doing. <laughs> the Bible says don't be a forgetful hearer. I think it is good to be able to write down certain things in church. That's why in the bulletin we have a section on there to write notes down. And it could be just what God speaks to you about. And you write down those things. And That's why sometimes we want to come to an altar. Because, man, I tell you what, there's a time where I get down there and I remember God spoke to my heart and I committed it to Him. Don't be a forgetful here. What happens is we hear a message in here and God's stirring our soul. Maybe right now God's stirring your soul about you needing to be saved. What would hinder you from accepting Christ right now where you sit? Right now where you sit. You know, we've been doing this exchange and uh, learning about it, and there's four lessons there, and one of the things that Brother Musgrave uh, uh, talked about over and over again is you don't have to wait until the fourth lesson for someone to put their faith in Christ. Because if someone brings under, is brought under a conviction, why not right now? Put your faith in Christ and what He has done. What would keep you from doing that if you're not absolutely certain that you're on your way to heaven once your sin's forgiven to live with Him forever right now? Oh, God, save me. Come into my heart. I'm going to trust in Him and not in my works. How important that is. A forgetful hearer. Because we can walk out into that fellowship hall And you know what? We can change channels pretty quick, can't we? We've got a wonderful Sunday school class. We're talking about various things there in the book of uh, Joshua. Some are on the walls coming down. Some are on the the taking of the accursed things. Some are on other chapters. But I'll tell you what. By the way, those are opportunities for us to hear. Isn't that correct? Opportunities for us to get more into our lives. Our devotions and those types of things. Do you think the devil would like to steal the word from you? There's a parable about it, isn't it? The seeds planted and the birds come and eat it before it could even germinate. I want to encourage you, don't be forgetful here. Don't let the devil rob you of it. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. As we come to church and we get into our devotions. And listen, I've said this time and time again. That if you're struggling with your devotions. How important it is to, to find something that works and helps you to grow your life. You'll never regret it. Getting into these things. Filling up these things. Having a hunger and a thirst. Because that, by the way, is a part of this Sermon on the Mount. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. One of the memory verses that was last year that has changed my devotions is this verse in Luke twenty four forty five, where the Lord uh, prayed for those He was walking on the road to Emmaus with. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. When I get into my devotions in the morning, I put this, by the way, on my prayer list so that I am reminded before I get into the Bible, I pray this, this scripture. I say, Lord, open my mind to understand the scriptures. Oh, I tell you what, I have missed so much, Brother Gary. I can't believe it. I'm on my 40th time. I can't believe how much I've missed. It is such a wonderful book. Oh, Get into the word because the storms are coming. And you're building a house. The emphasis on this portion of scriptures here in Matthew 24 is upon the rock, the foundation. But I personally believe you need to know where you're building and what you're building and how you're building it. It's interesting. He says the difference between the foolish man and the wise man is both of them here. And I've just given you a whole bunch of reasons why maybe someone wasn't paying attention or someone missed the message or someone just didn't want to go out and do what God had told them to do. And the wise man, he goes out and he does it. Now we want to be careful. We all have to be careful. The doing of God's word does not save us. And I say this all the time and most of you understand this and some. When we bring these verses up again and again and again and again and again and again, sometimes it can be, well, we just wash it away. But the Bible says, and we need to know where these verses are because there are so many people who are trying to get to heaven by their good works. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus For good works. So here, here's the idea. And what you read, and we read this before, is those people were going out and they are doing all these marvelous things as you read verses 21 through 23. And he says, I didn't know you. All the works that they were doing, he says, I didn't know you. Then he says in verses 24 through 27, he says these people went and heard, but they didn't go out and do. There's a big difference between... These two aspects, just like there's a big difference between works for salvation or works because of salvation. I serve the Lord because I've been saved. I am a new creation. And this word, uh, creation, Cheryl, what does that word mean in the Greek? It is a poem. You know how she remembers that? Because when I gave that several years ago, Cheryl went home and she wrote something, a poem. <laughs> she wrote a poem about that poem. We are his poem, created in Christ Jesus for those good works. It is a part of our salvation as the results of our salvation, not to get us. hope you understand those words. All have sinned short of the glory of God. No flesh is justified in the sight by the works of the law. For though the law comes, the knowledge, or through the law, excuse me, comes the knowledge of sin. We conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Is that clear? Very clear. We want it to be very clear. Thank the Lord for it. But there should be works. This is the part of the building now you got the foundation now you're building upon this we read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about building of gold, silver and precious stones or wood, hay and stubble a man who knows Jesus Christ as his savior we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness we're lying and not practicing the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in that light we have fellowship one with another the blood of Jesus Christ, his sons, cleanses us from all sin. There is an evidence of being born again. There's an evidence of the conduct of life. And if you were to go back now, because he says you're, you're going out and doing these things, if you go back and if you were to have a review on this Sermon on the Mount, you would go back and you would reread those things that we've been talking about for a year. Aren't we reminded of those things? These are the qualities, the characteristics born again believer as he, he builds his life upon this rock remember the Beatitudes poor in spirit mourns over sin hungers and thirsts for righteousness Bible says about looking upon women remember that Bible talks about He doesn't advertise his good deeds. He doesn't want to be seen of men. He wants God to be glorified. He has a single eye. Remember that passage? Not like the man that was the rich man that built his barns. He has a single eye towards God. In that same passage of chapter 6, he doesn't worry about his daily bread. He's not judging. He gets the beam out of his own eye. I mean, all these things are important principles that God wants us to be developing in our lives. I would hope that after we've gone through a year of this, that we would all say, you know what, those are things that I've been working on, things that God has spoken to my heart. I'm not going to be a forgetful hearer. I'm not going to let Satan rob that seed from my heart. I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There are things, as God speaks to us, that takes time, doesn't it? And we keep working on it. Keep working on it. Letting God build our eyes. I tell you what, when God speaks to our hearts and he shows us those things that we need to change, we need to change. Swift to hear. Yeah. Let's not lollygag around. I am so glad when God speaks to my heart. In fact, every day, I, 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 I don't know with you, how is it with you when you read the Bible or you come to church and you hear something? And isn't it that you really want to get something that God shows you that, that's going to help you on your journey? Yes or no? I almost don't feel like I've had my devotions unless God speaks to my heart. I'm reading about Saul and his demise there and how he... I mean, can you, I just, it's just so hard to imagine. You see his decline from his emotional dependence upon God and his humility, and then as success comes his way. He starts depending on himself and making decisions and doing things that he shouldn't have done. And not consulting God. And start walking in his own way. What do we see in his life? We see mental anguish start coming in, don't we? They hired David to come play the harp. Remember at the very beginning, the harp when it was played, it brought soothing refreshment to Saul. And the Bible says he was made well and refreshed. And the evil spirit left him. Three aspects of how music affects us. Body, soul, and spirit. You know, it's important to make sure we're listening to the right kind of music. That part of listening, the Bible talks a lot about music in the scriptures. The right kind of listening is what am I listening to in my music? Am I listening to rebellion? Am I listening to drugs? Am I listening to the... Garbage in the filth of this world. How about on television? What am I listening to? I tell you what. There's many shows that that uh, we just turn off, and there's a few shows that we find that we like. And as we're watching these shows, Brother Turner, it is amazing though that in these shows that we're watching and everything, all of a sudden they throw in some of the most go- ungodly philosophy. You see, that's, that's wicked, how they portray fathers. What am I listening to? What am I letting into my heart and mind? Do you think music affects you? Yes or no? If you don't think it affects you, then you need to go and do some research on it because people get doctor's degree to, in music to learn how to use music to manipulate you. You ever watch a movie and da 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 you know it's coming. It grabs you, and it affects you emotionally. And all of a sudden, you're scared to death. I'm telling you that. You probably don't hear da-da-da-da on Hallmark, do you? <laughs> oh, don't get me off on that, okay? All right, let's finish up. Beam out of your eyes. Doing to others. Striving for the master. These building blocks. It's something that the Lord says, you built upon this rock. He that heareth these sayings of mine and goes out and does them. Here he had just preached a 15 minute message or however long it was. His disciples and others were up there on this mountain and as they listened to him, he says, now listen, go out and do it. That's my challenge to us this morning. Will we just be obedient to what God tells us to do? Amen to that? Father, I pray that, Lord, that you'll help us to go that extra mile. Not just to get by in life. Not just to uh, build up our own empire. Lord, I pray that you'll help us in these things that we've heard. Ask ourselves, are we judging according to our fleshly desires or... Are we discerning people? We spent, Lord, a long time on this judge not that you be not judged. Lord, it's not just to come and fulfill an hour of our services. Lord, we want to be changed. How has God spoke to your heart this morning? Build upon that rock. Don't cut the uh, two-by-four short. Get the right building materials. Get the right principles and philosophies of life. I tell you what, uh, I'm amazed. I went to a political meeting this week. And I'm amazed how so many people think today. Oh, yeah, they have a Hollywood... Mindset, because maybe they've spent too much time there on TV. Let's have a biblical mindset and let God deal with us and whatever He'd have. If this morning you need to be saved, I encourage you to come. Put your faith in the Lord. If there's some building blocks that need to be brought into your life, maybe we just need to go back and reread the entire Sermon on the Mount and say, you know what? I didn't know that this was at the end. Maybe I should have paid better attention to it. (laughs) Sometimes people think, well, if I don't know, it won't hurt me. Tell that to the policeman when you're going 60 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. We're held accountable as God speaks to us, shows us. We need to pay attention. Life's too short to miss the road map of life. We're going to sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In this invitation, we can come and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Sometimes we just need to take time to praise Him for that. Are you washed in the blood? The brass played this morning. Are you? It's a question. that needs to be answered. Are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven and that you'll spend eternity with God? If not, we have a counseling room up here or you can visit with us after the service, but I encourage you, don't leave without doing what God has spoke to your heart. Has God spoke to you this morning? Maybe about what you're listening to or how you listen. Have ready ears as Rose brought out this morning. Ready ears. Oh God. You know, that's a good principle to get into when I come to church. God, would just speak to me? If you have not heard God's voice in a while, you need to ask what's going on. He walks with me, he talks with me. He tells me that I'm his own. I'll tell you what. The ensemble sang Near to God. Don't get near to Him. Don't let Him have to shout at you. You be right up there so you can hear His whisper in the still, small voice. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I pray that as we have this invitation time, why don't you just keep on playing Pam, that song, and as we have opportunity, why don't we just let the music... Speak to us because I believe music is powerful. And if God is speaking to your heart, why not respond right now? If you need counseling, we have a, a room over here by the choir room. We can let you go into there and just have someone pray with you. Maybe there's a, a burden that's on your heart. Maybe there's some special needs you have. But maybe God says, why don't you go and pray with somebody this morning? I encourage you to go there. Maybe God says, why don't you go to the altar? You know, could God say go to the altar and you say No. Pam, you just keep playing. We respond according to God's will.